if you're going to launch a new product, great. How many hours is that going to take? And then where are you going to find it from? We just pile on and we just kind of expect it's going to happen. Well, the reality is it does end up happening. It's just what was the shrapnel along the way? Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. Man, oh man, the life of an entrepreneur is chaos and it's seasons of chaos. There's times when you are like feeling motivated and in it and driven and maybe not so present in your family life. And then there's times when your family life just needs to be a priority and your work kind of sits in the backseat a little bit, but finding the balance between the two can be really hard for so many of us, especially because things change so quickly in our lives. And I'm, I'm so excited to have Corey Carlson here today, former executive turned entrepreneur here to help us kind of find that balance and learn how to win both at work and at home. Corey, thank you so much for being here today. Well, Mickey, thank you very much for having me. And as you explained that intro, I'm like, man, that's a little bit of me right now. <laughs> so I, even though there's a few things I've learned along the way, I'm still on the journey just like with a lot of the listeners. I mean, it is, it's consistently hard to grow a business to be present with your family and to kind of feel you got everything figured out. So as we talk today, it's I just want to share things that have helped me and helped a lot of my clients, but at the same time, know that I'm, I'm using a lot of these tools as well to help me, you know, get better and push through. So kind of this idea of, hey, wherever you're at, you don't have to stay there is kind of the thing that's been helping me the most. So, you know, hopefully some listeners can get some of that out of our conversation today. So thanks for having me. You know, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think sometimes we forget that we're all human and we put people on a pedestal, whether it's coaches or successful business owners or people we idealize, we put them on this pedestal and assume that like they don't have the same kind of problems we do. That's true. <laughs> it's, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, social media is good and bad where we look at social media and some days we, I can look at my feed and I can get inspired and I want to go do these things for my business or with my family. Then there's other days I look at it and it's defeating. It's like, oh, I'm so far behind or their vacation looks amazing or their family looks so, you know, just happy and they don't argue. And so it, it can be a day by day type situation as well. And, you know, you have 20 years of experience as an executive and working your way up as well as your time spent as an entrepreneur. And I'm curious to know if there were any big changes in relation to finding that balance or dealing with those challenges as an executive versus as an entrepreneur. Yes, there were a lot of different times of significant changes. Uh, you know, one of the biggest changes I had in my life, there's a few of them, but, you know, one is... I, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, got transferred here, and I was VP of $120 million division, and I was, quite honestly, Mickey, in over my head. I managed people older than me. 
I leapfrogged my boss. I was now managing him. And so there just became this almost like imposter syndrome. Like one day someone's going to come down and come to my office and be like, whoa, whoa, we over promoted you. We hired the wrong guy. And, and so I got in my head. So like the days that I presented to the executive team, if it went well, I mean, I, I thought I was the man. But if it didn't go well, then I was afraid that I would, in fact, get canned. And so, Mickey, I found myself like skipping out on gym workouts so I could work more, just get through just every email I possibly could. Or, and I skip quiet time and maybe with the family be hanging out, playing kind of on, on the carpet. I can remember a visual of everyone kind of playing, hanging out. And I got my laptop on my lap while everyone else is engaged. And I just I just like there's got to be a better way. And so I talked to my boss, who I loved at the time, and I just said, hey, Tom, I, I there's got to be a better way. I love when you and I connect, but it's not that often because we're traveling different directions throughout the country. And then he made a comment, get an executive coach. I've always had one. I was like, what? Why didn't you tell me this sooner? So I got an executive coach. I hired one, and it changed my life. I mean, it sounds that very extreme, I know. But one, it changed my life because now it's what I do for a living. But the second thing it did is it just gave me a new perspective. Like I ch started changing my priorities. I looked at life just differently. I became a better father, a better husband, a better leader. And so that was one of those significant moments in my life where I just, I got out of the grind of thinking it's all on me, the grind of always in the business. And by getting an executive coach, I had an outside perspective, someone I could bounce some ideas off of. I as well as got just some some tools. I mean, I think probably maybe the same thing for you, Mickey, is, is for me and some listeners is we listen to one podcast and it says, hey, you need to do the square method. And then you go listen to this other podcast and it's like, you've got to do the circle method. And then, you know, and then you go read a book and it's like, got to do the triangle method. And I love books. You know, I've published two of them, which I can't believe I ever was able to do that. I have my own podcast as well, you know, similar to you. And it's just like, there's so much information out there that we can all get analysis by paralysis. And so what helped me with the coach is they said, they're all great. We're doing the square. <laughs> Let's go forward with the square. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. That's all I needed. And then we'd go forward. So that, that was a huge pivotal moment in my life is when I hired my first coach. And then I'd say a second big moment in my life was, I was, this is a couple years after that. And I was now president of sales for a national contractor at 30 sales guys throughout the country reporting to me. And I just was getting burned out. Like, like almost like literally, am I on this planet just to try to grow revenue for this company? Just try to increase profitability. There's gotta be more to life. And I was just kind of, I was in a funk. It just, you know, there were just some hard days of just frustrated and is this all worth it? And what, what am I doing here? So I was talking to the same executive coach and he made a comment that, hey, you need a you need a vision statement. I was like, what? Like, what's a one sentence vision statement going to do? Like, how's that going to be any different? And it's kind of like, just trust me, right? Trust the process. So I went through an exercise where I put together a vision statement. And in my first book, Went at Home First, I put together how I built my vision statement, kind of using five different P's and it's so it's in that book. And, and one thing, Mickey, I'd love to give 
a book to any listener who wants one, they can go to the, my website, coreymcarlson.com forward slash free book. You pick the book, Win at Home First, which is about work-life balance, or Rise and Go, which is about resilience and hope. And just pay shipping and handling, mail it to you. And so back to the vision statement, I put together this vision statement, and my vision statement is to connect people to greater performance and even more significant purpose. And so for some listeners, that's like, that's awesome. Other listeners are like, that's kind of dumb. And that's okay, because it just has to motivate me. It doesn't have to motivate anybody else. And so for me, it motivates me. And what that looked like is when I would go to Nashville to meet with my sales guy, David, it wasn't just about growing revenue and growing EBITDA or profitability for the company. Instead, it was like, hey, how can I connect him to greater performance, which for me is helping leaders win at work and win at home. So, hey, David, are you dating your spouse? You know, Are you getting to the gym? Uh, from a work perspective, are you blocking out time to be intentional with our, your sales calls, putting together proposals? And then even more significant purpose, the back part of my vision statement, for me, that's, you know, my faith is important to me. So that's connecting people to 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 God. But if faith is not, which I had some people who we didn't talk faith, it was just a greater purpose. Like, can you give? Can you, can you, you know, serve others better kind of stuff? And so that changed everything. It really did. The vision statement, a simple statement, made me traveling to different parts of the country different. Like when I was there, I want to be intentional with my direct reports. I want to be present. I was asking questions out of curiosity. I was providing help. And then the crazy thing, Mickey, is revenue increased. I took my eye off of just that, looked at helping all the leaders grow better as a whole self, and yet revenue improved. So it's like we ended up getting what we wanted, but I enjoyed the journey much more than the old way where the old way was just grinding it out for results. Instead, it became relationships over results. You know, there, there's something that I was speaking to a friend just recently about that just reminded me of it. And we were talking about how it's really hard to compete with somebody who's having fun, <laughs> right? Like mm. if somebody's enjoying the process of working hard and showing up and competing and doing the thing, like it's hard. If you're not having fun, it's really hard to go against that person and win. And I think when, as you mentioned, you kind of found that focus, that intention in the process, it it made it a lot more fun. And it sounds like that just made it a better experience for everyone and led to that the better results. Yeah, absolutely. I do love that. It's hard to compete with someone uh, when they're having fun. And if you're not, then it only makes it more miserable, right? <laughs> I mean, that that whole phrase, you know, are you miserably rich? I mean, mm -hmm. I just have heard that recently. I know it's been around for a long time, but it's so true. There's many individuals who have all kinds of money. They got what they need, but they're miserably rich because they've got fractured relationships. They feel like they're wandering. They don't have purpose. They haven't been to the gym in a while. I mean, it's just overall, there's this kind of that idea of miserably rich. And so that's what I would love to help well, you know, all the listeners with this. Hey, as, as you're building your businesses, as you are, you know, launching this new product or or whatever the case may be, you know, we got to be careful of what we are saying yes to and what we're saying no to. I had to prepare for a keynote one time and I had this idea of, hey, I want, I'm going to think about how many bosses I had. And so I counted them up. And in my 20 years, I had 18 different bosses and one family. And it just made me think how many times I said yes to this particular boss or yes, I'll be at this happy hour. Or, yes, I'll do whatever. And I don't even know where some of these bosses are anymore. 
I, I don't have no idea where they're at. And, uh, and so it's just, it, it kind of puts it all in perspective. Hey, we got to be careful a little bit of, you know, the sacrifices we make in, in the process. So anyways, it's been a good watch out for me. And even to this day, I got to be careful. You know, there, when you just mentioned that, I think it reminded me, and I can't remember who said the quote, but it was every time you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. And I think that's a good reminder that like, when we say yes to the extra project, the extra hours, the working late at nights, the, you know, laptop on your lap, we're saying no to other things in our lives at the same time. And it's important to remember that, to keep that in your consciousness, I think. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And you know, anytime we're starting a new quarter or start, you know, it's like, yes, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to launch this. And then I'm going to do this. And it's going to be awesome. It's like, you know, sometimes it's like, they just, for every yes, you say strategically think, no, like if you're going to join a nonprofit, awesome, great. But what are you saying no to, you know, if you're going to launch a new product, great. How many hours is that going to take? And then where are you going to find it from? We just pile on and we just kind of expect it's going to happen. Well, the reality is it does end up happening. It's just what was the shrapnel along the way? You know, something, and I'm a military wife. And so we live kind of a wild lifestyle where change happens rapidly and we spend lots of time apart. And then when we're together, we're like together. <laughs> My husband's yeah. on leave. <laughs> it's pretty intense changes. But one of the things that we used to get wrong all the time when we first got married was there was a lot of unsaid, just like accepted sacrifices that we both made. And we never really talked about it. We never would openly discuss like, okay, when you say yes to this, it means I have to say no to all of these things, but I also have to say yes to all of these other things. As a team, how are we gonna manage this together? And once we started having those conversations, like everything shifted for us and we both, had a better understanding of the other and their experience, but we also felt kind of seen and heard and understood along the way. And that's one of those things that I think made a real impact for me was remembering like, yes, I'm saying yes to this and no to that, but what's my partner saying yes and no to when I make these decisions too. Oh, that's so good. First of all, thank you for being a, a military wife. I, I I can't imagine the sacrifices that are for, for both of you and, just your overall family sacrifices that are involved. And uh, so well done. And, and thank you for doing that. That's pretty darn cool. It, yeah. As far as yeah, making sacrifices, I think, and having a communication, I, I mean, it's just so solid advice. I know for us, I noticed a difference in just our, our marriage as well. Like Holly's never going to, Holly, my wife's name, she's not never going to say no to, to some of the things I want to do, like to go to a work happy hour, to go to this networking event. She's just not going to say no. She's very supportive. However, there's a big difference. If I ask her if I can go, if I kind of say, does it work to our family calendar? There's this, like, she's got buy-in to like, yes, I think that's a great idea. Or, you know, she may not say it's a great idea, but go, you know, go for it. As opposed to me telling her what I'm doing. And then mm -hmm. she's got to figure out how to make the kid logistics for the activities all work out. And so instead of being frustrated I'm at this networking event or having some animosity, instead, it's she's got buy-in because as my business grows and our, as our whole family things, whatever we're involved in, grow and have greater impact, then we're all making sacrifices, but we're also all winning as well. I think if one person in the relationship doesn't feel their sacrifices are being viewed at all, then they don't celebrate the wins very well. I had a uh, client and we were going through some stuff. And at this one particular moment, they weren't 
his family, they weren't doing great. And he just is like, the wins at work don't feel as good when you're not winning at home. AI has already completely revolutionized how we create content. But honestly, ChatGPT is not good at long form content. Conversion copywriter here, and to be honest, most AI tools out there stink at long form content. With content at scale in just five minutes, you can generate high quality, engaging, research backed, 2,500 word plus articles. Their AI immediately crawls Google and parses all the top ranking content to generate 100% original research backed 2,500 word articles for your website from a single keyword, an existing YouTube video, a podcast episode like this one, or a URL. Using content at scale's innovative AI technology, an experienced writer can now generate and edit up to 10 long form pieces of content in just one day. And you can get started using content at scale now with my exclusive offer for 20% more post credits for free on any plan you purchase. It's a deal you won't find outside of my special link. So head to the episode description and snag the link now and start rocking long form content with content at scale. Because, yeah, you know, if you come in and you're like, ah, I just got the new client. I mean, your spouse first reaction could be like, you better have, you haven't been around. <laughs> you better get these clients because you're not around here. And, but instead, if you're winning at home, you come home and it's like, Hey, I was, you know, gone. I was at this networking event or I had to travel and do a speaking engagement. And then, Hey, here's the fruit out of it. It's like, yes, we did it. And so I think if, if for any listener, just as you know, Mickey shared is share with your spouse what's happening. I also, Mickey, I, my kids are older than yours. I've got an 18 year old, a 18 year old girl, 15 year old girl, and a 10 year old boy. And sharing the ups and downs with them has also been a huge victory for our family. And I know a lot of people don't do it. And I'm not saying we're perfect and we get it right all the time. We kind of just accidentally kind of started stumbling upon it because if I was in a bad mood because I lost a client, a lot of people keep that just close to the vest. Like, ah, the kids don't need to know about it. Well, they know you're in a bad mood because you're you know, snapping back at them or you yell at them for not brushing their teeth fast enough or whatever it could be. But if they just kind of know, hey, we, uh, you know, I lost a client today or I thought I was getting a big speaking engagement. I didn't get it. And so I'm just kind of bummed. But the cool, it does two things. One, it allows you your kids to have a better understanding of, hey, maybe why you're in a funk. But then the other is it gives them permission to, to fail or permission to not always hit the grand slam. And, you know, it's I don't want to fail. It's not what I'm wanting to do, but I, we can't hit home runs all the time. And so our kids can understand, hey, that's okay I didn't get a good grade on my test or that's okay that we lost the game or whatever the, you know, I messed up at the piano recital, whatever it is, but they could almost be like, Hey, that's okay. We're Anderson's. We get back up. I've seen my mom do it time and time again. I've seen my dad do it or for, you know, us, we're Carlson's. We, you know, we get back up because I've seen my dad do it. I've seen my mom do it. And so that's, we build resilience through our kids by talking about the ups and downs. And so, I just think as you shared, sharing with spouses is super valuable. I'd take it a step additional of we got to share this with our kids as well. 
I love that advice so much. I think for me, when I look at it from the outside, I think two things come to mind. The first is, you know, kids naturally, they assume the world is because of them. Things in the world happen and they 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 take fault. And so if you don't tell them why you're upset, they're going to assume that they're the cause, whether you like it or not. It's just the way kids, their brain develops. And so I think what you're doing is you're taking that burden off of them, letting them know like, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> Something else happened. And that's why I'm behaving this way. But you're also showcasing like good coping skills for when things don't go right. Like, okay, when things don't go right, here's how we deal with it. We talk about it, we process it together and we move forward. Like that just to me is clearest, most beautiful example of being a great role model to your kids when things don't go the way that you want them to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So one thing you said, so psychologists say that kids, they, they think it's always their fault, kind of out of the gates. Yeah, so when you think of like the, the reason why I mentioned that is because in, in divorce cases in particular, they've done studies where the children like the, the brain the way the kid's brain works is they assume that the it's naturally their fault they're the center of the world for a certain period in their lives right because mm -hmm. they don't have that bigger scope of view that bigger perception or consciousness of the world and so they see themselves as the cause and fault of many things and so we as adults have kind of a duty or obligation to alleviate that burden from them they won't always believe it, but the more they hear it, right? Just like anything, the more you hear someone say something, the more likely you are to believe it over time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's fascinating. It's, you know, something you would think would happen, but to hear actually science shows that it happened. Just, I mean, one more reason as, as parents, as leaders, I mean, vulnerability, obviously done within some boundaries wins. I mean, it just, man, it's a, obviously it's a speed to trust. You know, and I think this is a great kind of bridge towards at work. You know, we talked a little bit about winning at home and what that can look like and how to, how to kind of deal with some of the challenges. But I think, you know, you mentioned your experience at work where you, you felt like an imposter, where you were really struggling and, and kind of holding that in until you had that safe person, that outside safe space to talk about it and process it. Can you talk a little bit about how we can show up better and communicate better when things aren't going so well at work too? Yeah, just to clarify, to show up, you're talking about communicating with the work team. Yeah. What that's like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and work gets a little hard because on the surface, right? I mean, it's you got your boss, they're the ones that hired you. And so you don't want to let them down. They're your peers, a lot of times, your competition for that next job. I mean, as you move up the, 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 uh, the corporate ladder, you know, it, it gets smaller, right? I mean, there's less and less numbers towards the top. So, and I felt that in, in all my careers, knowing that somewhat competition and, but that's, that's also a lie that many of us here, I mean, yeah, there's a reality is competition, but man, if all of you and your peers are doing great, man, the business will grow. There'll be more business to manage and, you know, greater revenue. Oh, wait, we got to spin off a new division because, you know, we, we all went out and crushed it. And so there's a little bit more opportunities for collaboration and working together than I think sometimes in the in the thick of it we we think of it you know so that's one piece but you know there's a there's a quote I love that you know people want to follow leaders that are real and not always right and you know we're in a lot of these last few years whether you know through COVID and now maybe possibly this hitting a recession which I don't understand this recession because every restaurant I go to is jam-packed but uh 
But as we're hitting on this, we're in unfamiliar territory for a lot of different leaders. So acting like you know exactly what's going on, that in itself is a lie. And instead, it's just, hey, you can tell your team you don't know exactly what to do, but we're, we're taking these steps forward. This is what we believe and have kind of voted on and thought of as a team. And it's overall, it's having this vision of where you want to go. Now, the steps may change along the way, but you know where there is no vision, the people perish. And you see that with companies. When they have no idea where they're going and they're wandering, then it's just those, those companies start to fall apart. But instead, if you're a company that understands your vision statement, just like I mentioned, a personal vision statement, companies got to have one as well. And when you have a vision statement, you can make decisions in light of that vision statement. You know, I, I know a couple of different, you know, just examples like Chick-fil-A, their vision statement you know, is very strong in their faith. They're, they close on Sundays, but yet they're one of the most profitable, highest revenue, uh, you know, businesses, which is unbelievable. I think another one's fascinating that happened numerous years ago, but CVS. CVS wanted to be, you know, basically the best for overall healthcare for their customers. So that time they had a vision statement, they decided no longer sell tobacco products. So they walked away from, I think it was $2 billion at the time in sales of tobacco products because their vision statement was about being the best for health. And they did not feel tobacco contributed to that. And so when you are a company, you've got a vision statement, then you can make decisions that say yes or no. So CVS, that's a big gamble to do that. But yet it paid off because then they people perceive them as a more health conscious, you know, compared to their competitors of Walgreens and others. And so now many people go to CVS, they've shifted their prescriptions to them. And so as a company, it's like leaders need to have a vision. And then they can make decisions based off that. So your team does not need to know you know every single step. They just want to know you've got a direction that you want to go and you're committed to it. And in conversations, you're, you don't know all the answers. So you're going to be open and honest about that. You're going to seek collaboration uh, you know, along the way. I love that example. You know, I love the CVS example. It's one of my favorite kind of transformation stories when we think of a business taking a stand really like stepping into their vision, making, aligning their actions with their words. I think that is just a great example. There, there's kind of two pieces here that you mentioned that I want to make sure I highlight for the listeners. And the first is that it's totally possible for more than one person to win. Right? One of my favorite people I follow online in general, her name is Bosma St. John. So she was the CMO of Netflix for a while. Like she worked for PepsiCo and she has this saying that as she moves up the corporate ladder, she passes the ladder down so others can follow her and succeed too. And I think that's one of those kind of visuals that I try to keep in mind when I, I think about myself and my business and companies is like, just because I'm winning doesn't mean I'm not gonna bring you up and help you win too. When you have that mentality of like, I'm gonna get up there into the C-suite, I'm gonna make sure my friends get up there too. Like that's a different wow. perspective to winning as a, as a team, I think. But the other thing that you mentioned was kind of this idea that as a leader, there's only so much we really can control. <laughs> like, like, I think it's a reality check. There will always be stuff outside of your realm of control. There's always change. There's always insecurity. And that control isn't what makes you a great leader. It's knowing what you can control and having confidence and taking steps forward on those things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I work with a lot of clients in either one-on-one -on -one situations or group where I'll run like you know 12 week masterminds in in groups which is actually how you and I met right you and I met through a 12 week mastermind which 
Which for the listeners, uh, if you're ever in a mastermind, make sure Mickey's in it. She is. You were. You were so like generous. I, I still. I was blown away. Like people would be talking about a you know a problem that they were having, or you know I need to put together a questionnaire, and you're like, oh, let me share you the questionnaire that I put together, and then you share this like amazing ten page document in the chat where we could all access and link. I I, I have no idea how many documents you shared with us. Five. I'm serious. I, it was unbelievable, your generosity in that mastermind. Uh, so thank you. That was very, very, very cool. And I've lost my whole train of thought on what I was <laughs> going to say about being a mastermind. Oh, I how I work with people. I try to be as generous as uh, Mickey. I don't think I am. But one-on-one -on -one coaching or these masterminds. And in these conversations I have so often, leaders are just stressed because they're thinking about everything and it's like hold up let's control the controllables just what can you focus on and, and so you know we, we list out these are the items you can focus on well, all right let's focus on that it honestly has to do with focus on your schedule focus on your attitude focus on your mindset focus on what are you doing outside of work like what time are you going to bed what are you drinking what are you, what time you is the last time you look at your phone what time do you wake up what time's the, the first time you look at your phone like all these elements that we can control will help us not only be better leaders, but obviously just navigate these storms better. And so as a listener, you know, I just encourage you, if you're a little anxious or worried about your business, I mean, you're not alone. That's so many of the people I work with and, you know, really for any coach that's out there is there's just a lot of people that are, are stressed or taking on too much. Uh, it's the comparison, it's imposter syndrome, all those different elements. And, and so it's a control the controllables. I love it. It's, you know, it, it's a, a friend of mine um, has this kind of saying, and it's the radical reduction. Vicki Lanthier, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's learning to just get rid of anything that's not truly serving you and really just like reducing it down to the most important things in your schedule and in your life. I fail at this all the time. I try my best, but I think I love the fact that you mentioned taking control of your schedule. Cause I think that's one of those things that often we think is outside of our control, right? I I've looked at my schedule and, and just wondered how in the world it happened, but it, the truth is it happened because of me, <laughs> I opened it up. I shared it. I did all of these things. I took these actions. I put those little pieces in there and it, that's what it became. And so I, I, I think our schedule is a great place to start and to finish in kind of taking back control over the chaos in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when the individual looks at their schedule, look at it two ways, your work schedule, eight to five mm -hmm. or whatever hours you're working, and then outside of work. And I think a lot of people get exhausted and they end up in the striving season when they're saying yes to every work thing. So that eight to five is jam packed. There's no breathing room. And then after hours is jam packed because they're saying yes to every barbecue. They got their kids in tons of activities. They're going to all these different events and there's, they're just exhausted because everything is just filled. And so where in, I mean, I, I love that radical reduction. That's a great phrase. I was just talking about pruning, like what can you prune? And so in your work hours, it's time blocking. It's getting rid of things that aren't really moving your business. I mean, I, I have to gut check myself on this all the time. Matter of fact, I was even called out at, on it last week, which was humbling, but I... I'm not very good on Instagram or Facebook. I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been very good for, for myself as far as I've met friends. I've had found clients and it's just, it's just been cool. 
as well as even found people to be a client too. And so it's all been good, but I like to post because I feel like I've got to do it. And someone called me out. It's like, there, there's better things you'd be doing with your time than you doing post. Like, and we, we, we kind of unpacked it some more and they were correct. And so I got to work on that. So I'm going to have to outsource it and, or think through how I go about doing it a little differently. And so for me, that's something I've got to prune. As I said, at the beginning of the, our conversation, I don't have this all figured out. I'm consistently trying to get better. And so for me, I've got to work on pruning that out of my schedule as far as how much I'm looking at social media, because not only does the post take time, but once I'm there, all of a sudden I'm scrolling and looking at other junk and it's like, all right, no way. And then I think engagement. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, not knowing exactly when this will air, but we're hitting, you know, we're hitting summer months and, and what happens there is everyone starts saying yes. And we just get slammed. It's like, yes, let's go to this barbecue. Yes. Let's go to this. Let's go here. And it's like, find some time to even prune stuff in your personal calendar as well. Summer vacation is, it's like a balance of, of chaos. You know, I think I, I, when I think to summer vacation, I think like we plan this time off thinking we're going to restore and recover during this like time off, but we, we kill ourselves right up to the moment vacation starts, you know, try and catch up as much as possible. And then we hit vacation, but we jam packed activities and things and stuff needs to be done. And we need to do the lawns and like all of a sudden you're back to work and you're more tired than before you started your vacation. And it's, it's, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that I continue to have to practice and think about as I'm planning, is this really time off? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> how can I make sure that I'm building in real recovery here in my schedule? Cause that's it, very challenging for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We work so hard and then we end up being sick on the beach or wherever we're going. And it's uh yeah, absolutely. So true. Corey, for the listeners who want to learn more about you, who want to check out the books, maybe get that free book. Where can they go to find you online? Yeah. So the free book is coreymcarlson.com forward slash free book. And it's two options, went home first or rise and go. And went home first is my first book. And somebody at Forbes magazine says one of seven books, everyone on your team should read. So that was pretty cool and, and helpful and getting the word out for a first time author. Second book is rise and go. And basically you talk about entrepreneurial journey. We said, I, when I left corporate, went to entrepreneur, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, launching coaching. I went all in into coaching and speaking March 1st, 2020 best time to launch a business. Let me just tell you. So that happens March 1st. And then March 13th is when all travel restrictions kicked in, stay-at-home mandates. And so on that day, I got a couple of emails of canceling speaking engagements that were paid. So I had 35% of my revenue vanished right then. Why that was a big deal to me and my family is because you know my wife doesn't work. You know She's at home with the kids. And so we went all in and got our own insurance and did all those entrepreneurial things that you, you dream about. And then all of a sudden, boom, 35%. So frustrated down. And over the next coming months, I got content kind of pointed to me or I found some stuff in uh, my quiet time or I had cool stories of inspiration on my on my podcast or just other things I was learning. And I started to put together content that was helping me get back up. The title, Rise and Go. And then what ended up happening, Mickey, is kind of over that course that next year, I had 60 different clients going through my program and the one-on-one and they'd get on the phone or Zoom call and have maybe some frustrations. And I was like, hey, you know what? I was just, you know, using this content on myself last week and it helped. Maybe here you go, try it out. And so it got battle tested. 
And then I decided, hey, if that helped these leaders as well and me, there's a book here. So I put together a book called Rise and Go. First 10 chapters are help you to give you the courage to get back up. The next 10 chapters are to give you the confidence to move forward. So anyways, those are the two books. Went home first, Rise and Go. And you can get those at that website. And then as far as social media, at Carlson Corey, all the platforms. LinkedIn is kind of where I have the most fun. I may be posting a little bit less but I'm still highly engaged in messaging and all that good stuff. I love it. Amazing. Corey, thank you so much. The conversation was wonderful. I feel like I've definitely, I feel a little bit more seen and understood for sure after this conversation, because sometimes being an entrepreneur, being an executive, it's, it can be lonely sometimes. So it's nice to know, first off, I'm not alone, but also that there are paths forward. There is a way to both win at home and, and win at work. So thank you for today. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for your generosity as well and that mastermind. I learned yeah. a lot from you. <laughs> same, same. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.